Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. G'day and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show. We're the show getting you over the game line on all things to do with Australian rugby uh, for the very last time. Yes, you heard it, guys. Um, this is going to be our last podcast. Always leave them wanting more. Always go out on a high. And so with me tonight, I've got four of the main protagonists uh, We've got, obviously, Reg Roberts joining us from Holiday for this last dance. G'day, MJ. <laughs> I am MJ. Excellent. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is fucked. This is rigged. Stop the steal. <laughs> That's only because you've been jetting off to Vegas for 24-hour party weekends, Jamie. Yes. <laughs> 24, 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure 24 months. 24 yeah, months. That's right. yeah. Okay. And then the um, other part of the usual uh, dream team um, that I have here, uh, Hugh Cavill. Mate, good to have you on board. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I think, I, I think the emotions will flow later in the podcast as we approach the end. Um, <laughs> the end for now, we'll see. As, as, I'm not ruling out a sort of comeback, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to say never here, you know. I'm, I'm actually looking at some other podcasts in France that I can go <laughs> and maybe. Um, but look, I'll stay tuned for that. If Mercedes I, come back begging with another deal. Oh, I know. Do. Actually, Sydney Maserati is still not returning my calls. That's one of the reasons why I'm walking away. <laughs> exactly. And You'll be um, like Michael Jordan's baseball career, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, now, in the booth, as usual, um, we've got Nick backing us up. But then as a special... I guess it was like a one last time kind of got him um, in the end. Uh, joining us again, we've got Mr. Jamie Miller. Mate, how are you? I'm good. It's Dr. Matt, but yeah, that's fine. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Miller, so so glad to have you on board. Um, I'm just trying to think, how long has it been since since your last... Was it? It's got to be, was it? About a years? year and a half. About a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Have uh, you cured COVID yet, doctor? <laughs> In Australia. Yeah, exactly. I have, in fact, cured COVID. Thank you, Reg, for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, mate. <laughs> no, but it's good to have you back, mate, and uh, to be um, riding this one last final time, unless somebody dangles something in front of you. So, um, this tonight's <laughs> podcast, we have, as usual, our five burning questions. Actually, like, we'll put it out that front. I mean, we have said, like, if the next time the Wallabies uh, win the Bledisloe back, uh, we will repodcast that is that is a solid guarantee um we will do it then um but the five burning questions we're going to take you through tonight uh number one this season pass or fail for Rennie. number two are the wallabies heading in the right direction number three our thoughts on the stand nine deal number four what we're looking forward to in 2021 that's got a question mark over it so maybe i'll say this what we're looking forward to in 2021 and number five, announcement of our last show, which I've just done. But we've got a few other bits and pieces to um, make Q cry uh, by the end of that uh, question. So um, with that, um, and before his voice cracks, uh, with question number one, I'm going to go to Hugh. This season, pass or fail for Rennie? Where are you at on this one, Hugh? Oh, it's a pass for me. I, I think um, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic, and that will come through, and I think my answer to a few of the questions, as, as it generally does. I, I think... Um... <laughs> 
Look, I mean, I, I went out to the game on, on Saturday um, and look, it's funny because the, it seemed like the reaction from people watching at home was, was distinctly negative um, or from what I saw online that it was a pretty dire contest. But at the game, look, it, it had periods where it sort of, I, I suppose, went into a bit of a lull and it sort of coinciding with the TMO stuff. And, but it was raining really heavily. And, and the last 15 minutes, I, I found genuinely entertaining. Um, and, you know, I went with, with my wife and a friend and his wife and everyone walked away, you know, pretty happy with, with the experience. Partly it was the stadium and the, and the Argentinian fans and, and, you know, other things that went into making it really enjoyable. But, um, you know, I think there's a, bit of, there's a bit of doom and gloom around, but from thinking about it more, um, thinking about this game and, and the last game, certainly a pretty disappointing way to finish considering where we were after that Brisbane Bledisloe. Um, I, I still think Rennie has done pretty well with the hand he's been dealt. You look at that team on paper and, geez, it is one of the weaker Wallaby sides that I've ever seen um, on paper. You know, you've got, yes, there's experience there, but it's, it's soft experience. Guys like Rob Simmons that, you know, they, they don't, he doesn't play to 105 tests that he's played. You know, it's, it's availability over ability, that one. Um, and, you know, some of the other guys as well that, that are there or thereabouts, they're just not the experienced calm heads. And then you've got all these really green guys like Hunter Paisami, um, you know, Tom Wright, Jordan Pitar, we, Harry Wilson, we know these names. Um, and they're still probably a year off international rugby, in all honesty. But what Rennie's really sort of turned them into is, I think, a pretty passable international side. I don't think they're great. I think, you know, the, the results against Argentina are probably about right. That's probably the level we're on. Um, but I just love the evidence that, that we're really coached and he's thinking about the game tactically on the weekend. The, the line-out moves that we did, you know, even just patching up our line-out after the week before. Some of the backline plays, some of the way that we're moving around the ground and the way he's coaching us. I think is really positive. I don't think the players necessarily have the ability to carry it out. Um, you know, they're dropping the ball and they're, they're, you know, probably doing the wrong things at times. But I think what Rennie's done is is enough to, for me to give him. I'd say I'd say six out of ten for, for the year. That's a pass. It's a it's a pass to to a credit maybe. But I'm I'm more optimistic than others perhaps. Okay. Um... Reg, I know you're coming at us with uh, basically the back end of a COVID infection. Um, what, was, what were your point? What did you think? Yeah, look, I'm not too dissimilar to Hugh, to be honest. I um, This whole year, I'm happy to put down as a big fat asterisk. Yeah, there's so much around it that, um, you know, the whole tournament was thrown together fairly last minute. Um, I know a huge effort from New Zealand and even more so Argentina to to come out and play and camp here for so long um, in isolation, all that sort of stuff. And we thank them for that. But, you know, regardless, I think it was, there was so much, it's hard to judge Rennie. He had barely any time with these guys. He had them intense camp, I guess, but none of the lead up yet. He barely had contact with any of the players during the super rugby competition. I think, um, you know, our new scrum coach sort of was introducing himself to them all in person for the first time after that first test. Uh, I think Hugh's bang on right. I think the difference between experience of the last test last year and the first test this year must be 300, 400 caps, which is huge, maybe even more. Um, but gosh, you, you, if you told me at the start of the season would draw a test in Wellington and beat the All Blacks in Suncorp, I'd, I'd be pretty happy with that as a result. Um, you know, a, a big loss in Auckland and a big loss in Sydney is sort of par for the course these days. Um, and then it just comes down to how we read the two draws versus Argentina. Um, 
it's interesting Hugh's comments about it made you, you, you said it was uh, we had a bit of an interchange about the enjoyment level of that game and I thought it was pretty dire but and but you said at the game you quite enjoyed it and that's interesting because I actually I was at the Brisbane draw and um, that was really enjoyable you know that was it was actually maybe something about that live event and obviously the, the Argentina crowd um, adds to the environment as well, but no, I'm I'm happy to good it. I mean, I, I think bringing a new players and I think in the end they all contributed. You know, we had some poor Noel Alessio had a, a rough start, but you know then he made a great input from the bench a couple of times. Um, you know, Dugini was up and down, but he had that awesome first test and and dropped off elsewhere. And then Tom Wright came in and he stood up. And you know, Harry Wilson was great. And I actually think even the likes of Ned Hannigan, I thought he did some really good stuff in the weekend. Rob Simmons had a great test the week before last. So I think to be able to get good performance out of his players um, without, it, without too much time with them is, is a pretty good sign. Um, there's a lot more we need from them. But, um, you know, if you said at the start of the year that your test back line would have you know, Hunter Basami, Tom Wright, um, uh, you know, Dagunu, even all those sorts of guys. I, I think you'd be you'd be hard pressed to to, to believe it. So, I, I'm giving him a hard, you know, a, a soft pass, but with a lot of special consideration, considering the rest of the scenario for the year. I'm, 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 I'm just pretty positive about the year and, and and happy to to give a fair bit of leeway there. Now, Jamie, can you inject some reality into this? Look, broadly speaking, I actually agree with the very sensible what? and intelligent things that the other people have said so far. Um, I think that he has done a reasonable job with the hand he's been played. Uh, and I think some things have been particularly good. Number one, the emphasis on actually playing the whole game of rugby instead of just playing some particular ideological way based on, you know, your feelings of, of how you think the game should be played. The, the kicking, the mauling, the going for goal has generally been pretty successful. The box kicking has been very successful. That's the first thing. The second thing where he's been very successful is in just infusing maturity into the team. The lack of petulance and arguing the ref's calls and embarrassing post-match interviews uh, is all really good. And often when I see Rennie actually talking at length about a game, he manages to strike a note that's really hard to argue with. He's very thoughtful. He's sensible, he's mature. The final thing that I must disagree with is the performances against Argentina. To draw twice against a team that looked like scoring a try precisely once across two games uh, is really poor. And I think we, um, you know, Rennie has done well with what has been in front of him, but you've still got to win both of those games at a bare minimum. Those should be very comfortable wins. And ultimately we drew both. And, and point scoring is a factor there. Sorry, Matt, I was just going to say, point scoring is a factor there. Seven tries in six games is, is not good enough, clearly. So, you know, mm. I think we've seen the impact of Rennie and, and Pretorius, or the, the, the scrum coach, and Jet Parling improved the line out. And I think Tatsy Taylor's done some good work in defence, but we've got to see that attack from Scotty Wisemate will come through. Um, Matt, yeah, what do you think? It, it didn't help chopping and changing the 10 all year no. round. I mean, yes, that, was, exactly. that was obviously a big problem. Yeah. Mm. Now, I was trying to generate some sort of spark of disagreement to make this not a completely boring segment. But, um, oh, go, 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 go. look, the, the, the one thing I would, if anything, I was probably going to go the other direction there, Jamie, just to push you on Argentina, considering they're the team that beat the All Blacks quite nicely. Um, you know, we didn't lose to them. So, you know, there's that. Uh, look, yeah, I, I, I've got to echo a lot of what you guys said. Um, 
having said all, you know, just having said all that, I feel that as the kind of the season went on, it kind of got looser and you kind of, I mean, I guess there was a few injuries in there maybe, but you would hope that they've been playing together more, that they're getting a better understanding of what they need to do. You walk away from the game and go, then you think it's December, you know, <laughs> we're watching rugby in December. Uh, yeah. A test match, and it's kind of in 2020. It's normal, or it's not. But you know, these guys have yeah, they had a, had some months off, but even then, they weren't really months off. Um, and so they've been going since January. I, I wonder if, given, I mean, both sides have got reason to be tired, but I thought our guys probably looked a bit tired. Maybe I yeah, I don't know. I think um, I don't think they've been flogged that hard, but um, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could put that one up um, as a as an excuse for whatever reason. I think you would think the Argies would would have had more of an excuse for that. I think than we would. Um, but um, yeah. So I, I guess you would. The the one thing that was kind of disappointing, but I and I don't know if I'm pointing this at Rennie. Maybe I'm pointing this at sort of just you know. I guess how green a lot of this side is is that I didn't necessarily feel that we were getting a lot smarter um, by the end. I I think there were those better chunks. So I'm. You can see I'm doing my best to try to put up an opposing view here, I guess, or a different view. Um, but I do think that I, I would have liked to have seen the team probably knit a little bit more. I felt actually they looked a lot better, like in Wellington, um, yeah. you know, or, or, or in you know, or, or in, in Brisbane and around those games. And you thought, geez, here's a team that can come out and, and play hard um, and match up against the All Blacks. And then as we kind of drifted on, I mean, the thing about that loss. Or not lost that draw against Argentina. We just got completely outmuscled. I mean, you know, embarrassingly outmuscled at the tackle contest. Uh, but we also played. We also played the dumb rugby, which you alluded to. I mean, mm. um, the the backline attack, and particularly early on, was just so sideways. And Geordie Bataille had probably one of the worst games he's had in sort of professional rugby, at least that we've seen. Contributed nothing. I don't. In fact, I don't remember a, a, a single player having a performance like that whereby. Literally every touch of the ball went sour. Um, mm. But, you know, O'Connor didn't provide that direction. Well, and, and that's, what, that's what I would have said to that, mate, on, on the Pattaya thing was just, I just felt, what did O'Connor? I mean, I yeah. thought he had an absolute shocker. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't... Chicken and egg with the forward stuff, though. They were just getting ball that was slow and, and, and against a set defensive line. Like, that was what frustrated me, is that classic... It was a bit of a throwback. To, I was calling for them to pick and go or do something a bit different. Yeah. It, was, it was. It felt like we were doing that sort of channel three, one out runs into the defense, and then. But also, yeah. I mean, but you've got these two massive centres. I mean, Pasami looked good when he went straight, but he didn't go straight enough. He, he did the wide passes and all that sort of stuff. I would have, and Geordie just tried to do the outside skip every time. I just would have liked to see these guys running on the angle, just some some nice tough ball. There are two most physical units in the backs. And we just mixed his tricks there. And then our discipline broadly was pretty shy. And and I I think the guy that's probably escaped a bit of criticism for that is Nick White. I think Nick White, yeah. The guy that was in the first letters was man of the match. Um, And the way that he can dart from that base of the ruck and pin those defensive, you know, those three defenders in each, you know, next to the ruck and then make them make decisions. um, He stopped doing that. And he he was just shoveling. And some of his passes were poor and, I, I, you know, his kicking game was still solid, but he he needs needed to help us more. I think there. Can I can I can I throw to Jamie potentially or someone who I think might disagree with me on this? Maybe Reg. Reg, you mentioned dumb rugby. I, I got into a fight on Twitter with a few people 
about should we have taken the penalty goals? Should we have taken the points early in that game? And by take the points, I mean have a shot for goal, given the position of some of those penalties weren't exactly gimmies. Would anyone care to fight yeah. on that if we need to have a fight? Yeah, let's have a fight. Um, so look, in, at one stage in that match, we had played all of the game in their half and the penalty count was seven to one and somehow there were 15 players on the field. That's just bad refereeing, straight up. But, and it would, but it was greasy as shit. That was not an unpredictable outcome. And against a team like Argentina that had barely even tried to pretend to look dangerous with the ball in hand the week before, you've got to get up on the scoreboard. And I was so puzzled because it was the exact same thing we'd done the week before. The week before, we'd had all that dominance in the first 30 minutes and ended up at three all. And then we did the exact same thing in Parramatta. And I was just like, well, that's pretty weird. Um, they weren't easy kicks, but you can't, you can't just have all that dominance and end up at three all. You just can't. Um, it's well, my repost that is, I think it's a very easy argument to say in hindsight. And that, it is, and this is hindsight. Like, this is, it's, I don't know. But at the time it felt to me at the ground going, good, I think we've got them on the rack here. Now's the time to put foot on throat here. If we can score early, this could break them. And, you know, the game could break open for us. Um, you know, it felt like we had that weight of momentum and it felt like going for a penalty goal 35 out of, <laughs> you know, 10 in from touch with Podge, who's not exactly, you know, Mr. Reliable. Did that risk, you know... 22 dropout, then we're all but, stuff back in our own. But, he, but here's what's going to put the nail in the coffin of that argument, Hugh, which is, I think it was Reg's stat around, was it seven tries in six games? You, you can't, you have, you've got a team who can't score a try. Do you take the points against a team who is going to beat you by taking the points? Or do you keep trying to score a try and not score <laughs> okay. it? Like so, you've done for all the other freaking games no, and then draw the thing again. Okay, my counter to that, two points. Firstly, last game of the season, dead rubber. Just go for it. And then two is you've been training all for two weeks to try and score tries. Surely you're of, of the belief that, you know, you'd had six in the last five games, but that was yesterday. You know, that's last team. This is been training for two weeks to score tries. Look, I found it very disheartening. I honestly feel that 2016 series where England came out here and we played with the ball so much and they just yeah. kept taking the three and we would spend five minutes and 25 phases to desperately get in a position to score a try. And then we'd hold on the ball, they'd make one tackle and it'd be the exact same outcome. We should totally have learnt that the way the game's refereed now, you want to be ahead on the scoreboard, you want to take your points and just convert as little risk as possible into as many points as possible. It's, it's not fun. It's not the way I'd like the game to be, but it is the way the game is. I've got a couple of points too. And also, you know, the factor in with those taking the shots is, and again, this changes in hindsight, but up until this game, our lineup was not functioning. So why do you back that up above a kick? I mean, as it turns out, I think it was pretty much bang on perfect this game and, and it worked, but they just didn't score any points for it. But geez, I watched at least highlights, extended highlights of that France versus England test match, where it was effectively a France second team because they rested all their players at the behest of the, the clubs over there. And and it took until the last minute extra time England um, try, I think it was, to win. But France were awesome. And, and I was just they just took the points. And I know Hodge is not the same kicker, but he's still our number one kicker. And the, you know, the shoddy kick from Hooper's conversion was a cracker on this angle and from a bit of a way out. And France were taking those shots every chance they got, and that's how they kept so close. So I, I just think it's 
it's test match footy and that sounds wankery, but like Jamie said, that's what takes doing mm. test matches these oh, days. And, and also, I wanna, there's a little bit of nuance to what I think on this, because if we got a penalty, pen out right in front, take the points. Like, there's no, no, no question. Like, I, I suppose it comes back to a, a calculation when you're pen out from the sideline 40 out, you know, what are you doing in, in that? You know, or, or five metres out right in the corner, you know, are you, um, are you, are you having a crack at a line out? Like, what's, where's your calculation? I suppose in that case, I was more erring on the yeah. side of having go. Um, you know, if we were started doing things like taking scrums from under their goalposts, uh, I'm not as, not as proud of that. Can I talk about the other issue? Other yeah, go, Rich. Making we're doing from a set piece is, is our scrum. We no longer use the scrum as a attacking weapon. We use it as a means to get a penalty. And it infuriates me. We get a dominant scrum, we get a nice set piece, and too often uh, we are just put going, you know, going that extra step further just to try and draw the penalty. You know, we've got ball at the back, it's ready to be taken by White. We've got, you know, I agree. seven I agree. on seven. It's just infuriating. And we're going for that penalty, which we either kick for the corner and can't convert, or we, you know, take for the post and can't kick. Let's give our back line a shot when there's no defenders in front of them. I got to say the exact opposite. I love that we're turning the scrum into the weapon. And I thought uh, the, there were two different guys playing eight on the weekend, one Wilson and then Valentini. And I thought they both did a great job controlling the ball at, at the back of the scrum. And I think it's that whole thing about converting minimal amounts of pressure, mi minimal amounts of skill performed that is difficult and under pressure and converting it into something tangible, which you do. Uh, so I like to see that. But, don't, but isn't the scrum the best place to attack? when it's seven on seven, 16 fatties out of the way. I mean, I think what is the best is if you get the best of both worlds, which is you get the penalty and then you unleash the backs. Well, I think, I think the thing that gets me is I think there's a middle ground. I think if we're, if we're charging over the top of them, yep, hold it in there. But some of the times we'll hold it on the hit and we'll, it'll be steady and they'll be clearly trying to push over them. The ball will be there at the back. And I'm thinking, just take it out because... I've seen it before where they then get the shove on and all of a sudden we've lost the ball like, and we had the ball there to play with. Like, sometimes I think we, we get too cute with it um, and we, we, it's, it's like our stated intention from the start is to win a penalty no matter what happens. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm with Red on this one. Uh, I, there's a f <laughs> so, um, anyway, someone needs to get in and moderate this in a sec because it is turning into our most rambly podcast um, for our final podcast. Uh, Thank you, Jagger. <laughs> you can say that now, can't you're you? You're the first now, one to write it off. Now, get out. Now, now, now your contract's up. Um, but look, I was, I mean, you've got a few problems there. Like at the end of the day, when you're not scoring points through anything, like, you know, you, you've got to, you, you can't score a try. And the thing that's like pretty disappointing at the moment is like, we can't even get a driving wall going, you know, from five metres out. Like that's been a consistent problem. Like you want to say that's a banker, right? That you're going to be, you know, one out of every two occasions when you're down there in that red zone that you're going to be able to drive something over. And we get stopped every time. It's incredible. That time, I mean, I know Hooper went over for the first time in how long. So you think that's a banker. So I'm with Jamie on the, you take the scrum, you take the penalty off the scrum, you put it into the corner and then you drive and you get over and you score your try. But we can't do that. Hmm. So yeah, that's, that's a bit of a problem. That's, that's a really nice segue to question two. Uh, to keep us, to keep us Weren't on we track. on question two? No, we're only on question one. Keep... Sorry, you just my podcast. Are the Wallabies heading in the right direction? Matt, continue. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> well, 
well, I've got a slightly different answer to that. But I think the problem we've got right now and the things, some of the things that need to be fixed up pretty quickly, like, I'd, you know, I'd love to see, um, you know, uh, Lord Laurie, um, yeah. you know, fix, have, you know, having a go at that driving wall because it, it can't be impossible to put that together. Well, um, you've, yeah. you've, you've, you've got to be able to, you've got a bunch of people in that Ford pack who did it for fun for the Brumbies. Why suddenly for the Wallabies, it's like a non-starter and we just can't get literally, we can't go forward a foot off your driving mall five metres out. I cannot comprehend. And yet every other international team can do it. There's, there's a problem. And yet on that, so I'll, I'll explain why I think the Wallabies are heading in the right direction with this example, but it touches on that point, Matt. So when, when Salakar Loto gets his red card, um, I think the score might have been 16-9. Uh, 16-9. And it's, at that point in time, it's as heavy as rain as, as it's been. So we're, we're down by a try, but it seemed like at this point a try was impossible. The Argies are, the crowd is in full voice. They are winning that game. You know, I've seen, how, how often have we seen this Wallaby team of any iteration, wet conditions, being played like by an arguably a lesser team, or certainly on paper. Um, and, you know, we've even sat, um, I think, at that Scotland game, I think, and saw the same thing unfold. Played all the rugby. We were going to lose that game. And the fact that we actually, we, we won the penalty, I think it was Nick White who actually won the penalty for, for holding on initially, went down into their corner, executed three really great line-outs in driving rain without one of our dumpers, because he'd been red-carded, drew, drew a yellow card, and then put the hammer down, executed again, and scored from that driving wall. I suppose, Matt, to touch on your point, it almost makes it more frustrating because that was pretty much the hardest conditions to execute a driving mall. We did it three times almost perfectly against the Argies were competing at the line out too. Mm. Um, hit, the, hit the jumper three times, ended up in a try. So you sort of like, well, where was that for the preceding six games? But the oh, fact yeah. that they could get down in that corner and do that under those circumstances, I thought showed real character in the end. And, and you know, that, that's one positive out of a game that probably didn't have many, um, you know, and to actually come out of that with a draw, because I've seen us, I've seen those games and then we, we lose that game nine out of 10, don't we? Yeah. Well, you only needed to do that for the first 30 minutes when we were camped in there, camped in there 22. <laughs> look, um, look, I, th I think we've answered number two, haven't we? Haven't you got, I think everybody here has said, look, does anyone disagree that it's moving in the right direction at least? Um, like, the, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what I thought I heard, which was, we're playing smarter rugby than we have in the past. We're playing all, like as Jamie said, we're playing, we're playing with many more facets of rugby. Um, now, not necessarily all of them very well at the moment, um, but at least we're trying, we're trying to play a bit more position. We're not always trying to run it out of our own. I mean, how good is that? There's, there's a big... I can't remember the last time that I saw us try and run it out of our own 22, um, <laughs> you know, against international opposition in the rain. We would have been doing that in that game. We would have been doing it only <laughs> last season. And, and we weren't. We were kicking it down the other end of the field, getting down there and doing what test rugby teams generally do. Is that heading in the right direction? Yes. There's I can one... answer that categorically. <laughs> Go on, There's Jane. one big caveat though, which is the story of Australian rugby in the last 10 years is probably at best two steps forward and then one gigantic leap backwards. And it's always the same leap. It's when a player goes overseas just as they've found their feet at test rugby level. And this has happened so many times and it's so disappointing. So if we're heading in the right direction, we've got, to keep, about Ned we've got to keep the group together. 
but we can't have we can't have more guys just you know taking the step in the right direction and then the next step is to japan like that's that that, that makes yeah. it so hard to maintain momentum yeah and, and that's kind of my issue jamie i think you, you're right i think and matt you're, what you captured there is bang on my stool question is over the personnel you know i am a huge hunter Bosami fan but you know, I don't think he should be playing test footy this year, <laughs> you know, and, and there's probably a few others like that, but he has to because there's no one else. So, you know, next year is fascinating. Who plays 10? Is James O'Connor at 10? Because our other options next year will be Will Harrison, Noah Lalesio, and I don't know, will Matty Tamor be back, young Carter Gordon? There's, the personnel is still the big issue for next year. The personnel is a big issue. I don't know who think, who apart from James O'Connor thinks he's a 10. I just, I can't see it at all. When you look at his skill set, it's very diverse and it's strong, but it's not the skill set of a 10. It's the skill set of almost any other position in that back line, but it's not the skill set of a 10. Mm. Right. Um, Hugh, did you have anything else to, that you wanted to add on the uh, head in the right direction? I'm assuming thumbs up otherwise? Yeah, thumbs up. I'm not sure we can win the Buttersloe though. That's the only thing. Like, can we win the Buttersloe next year? If the, uh, if the same all black team that played Argentina that time turns up, well, maybe, but I'm not sure. So I mean, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Reg's bit here though. Like you know, look at that second row pairing, which in the end did okay, all right. But yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's got to be the third or fourth yeah. second row pairing we would otherwise have behind, yeah. um, you know, at least four or five international locks, which are currently, you know, God knows where scattered across scattered across the earth. Um, yeah. Yeah, so to your point, Reg, the, the, the cattle they're playing with, and I find it interesting, I think both um, Hugh and Jamie talked about, well, against this Argentinian team, which we should have bit. In what premise? I'm, I'm not sure any of our players are drastically better than any of those Argentinian players on that field. They're, that's a good Argentinian team of people playing very high-level rugby across yep. Europe um, and are very, very good at it and very good in their positions. Um, yeah, we're probably lucky that they've, they're having a bit of a changeover at the moment. I would say otherwise, that's a pretty well-matched you know, set of two teams when you look at how green it is across the field. Um, why don't we get into, why don't we change up this question a little bit um, and sort of get into personnel while we're talking about them. So yeah. people who have impressed, um, people who have impressed you in this latest campaign, um, you know, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So go, um, Reg. I'll start with you, mate. Who's who's impressed you? You know, through this through this season. Yeah, without preparing too much for this one, I think Matt Phillips probably the big one for me. And and ironically, in one of those positions that sorry if I took yours, Jamie. Um, oh yeah, what do you like? I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> um, in one of those positions that we're legit concerned about, and and understandably so. I just and I, you know, I think a, a few of us on this podcast have been a fan of him for a few years. I think even when he made his debut a few years ago, he had a great season, and for some reason just didn't get another chance. And I just love the physicality of his game. Um, he's such a hard runner. He's you know Matt, you've always talked about a ruck monster. He's a bit of one of those. He's he hits hard and he hits well. And I, I I've, I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's hopefully just off overseas for a short-term contract, I believe. Yeah. But, yeah, Philip's been one of the stars for me. I, I, I think he would – God, I'll talk up to my head. I think he'd go close to probably our um, John Eels medalist. Wow. Yeah, no, he's a, he had one hell of an engine on him this series, that's for sure. 
Um, Jamie, I'll let you keep scratching your head. Hugh, who, who are you going to come back with? Oh, can't hear you at all, mate. Okay, I'll let you muck around with that while I get... Jamie, who you got? Uh, yeah, my vote was also going to be for Matt Phillip for the exact same reasons. Uh, I thought actually that Tom Wright was very impressive this year. Uh, I thought it wasn't so much what he did, it was how he did it. He just looked at test rugby level to be very, um, very unfazed. Uh, he'd just get the ball, he'd do his thing, he'd do it well. Um, and that, I, I, you know, you wouldn't have known that he was one of the more inexperienced guys. You would have thought he was one of the more experienced guys by uh, what he did and the maturity with which he went around his business. He's still not a great defender. That's something he's definitely going to have to work on, but he's genuinely fast and elusive. And if he's got that level head, then, um, you know, every reason to think he might be able to do a bit more of that. Well, and the person I'm going to interject in there, which you're talking about those people who just have international time and space, um, even when they're, you know, playing rookie, um, uh, you know, easy to overlook because we've been talking about him so much, but Harry Wilson, yeah. Um, I thought his first games were probably better than the, towards the back end. Um, and that might've been around, was there a little bit of an injury in there or something? I know he was crook for a bit, um, but he just- It's his first year of professional rugby, you know? It's, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. And he's just like, you don't even question his, he's just like one of the first on the sheet and no one would question it and go, yeah, he's going to go out there and have a, you know, international level match. I mean, it's, it's quite astounding um, when you think about it and, and some of the level of play and, um, and, you know, whether it's the deafness of hand, whether it's the right running line, whether it's, um, you know, I think he's obviously still young and, but, um, you know, and some of the impact he's made on some of his hits. Remember those, some of those, yeah, yeah, yeah. those, those beautiful kind of just late hits that yeah. he's putting on some of the, um, all, the all black backs was just, were just fantastic. They, yeah. you know, the, towards the, the beginning thing about the Harry too, is he's got a big ceiling ahead of him. He's got a lot of growing to do, a lot of developing to do. He'll, he'll be a wonderful player for a long time. Yeah, that'll be, that will be good to see. All right, let's try you now, Hugh. Who are you going to go for? Can you hear me now? I'm yeah, like, I got you now. Oh, yeah, yeah. what a relief. Um, okay, I'll go slightly left field. A guy that I didn't think would have cemented a Wallaby starting spot uh, at the start of the year was Brendan Payne-Guramosa. Um, and uh, Jamie's shaking his head, but there's, there's not that many people. <laughs> still good ones have, anyway. I'm just I would have said sure. Matt Phillip. But. I'm just not sure if I heard you correctly. Were you referring to the same guy who on Saturday night got subbed off with three tackles and zero runs to his yeah, name. Well, but how many tackles time? did we make? We, made, we only made nine tackles at the, in the whole game at that point because we had the ball the whole time. Zero runs. Zero runs in 60 minutes. Yeah, of but the, perfect but also, perfect I line out. Say, I will say line out. But, I mean, like, that's something I would have taken that for, for, for the line out result that we had. Um, and look, yeah, look, I think our depth at hook is not fantastic. And, and you know, I would have like taken Tolu Latu, but mm. uh, you know, uh, for a guy that played one season and was seen as a bit of a, I suppose, a flash in the pan in his early days, um, played that season a few years ago, and now has come back to to be a, a seems seems to be, you know, he's played pretty much. I think as he started every test, or maybe not the first one. I think for Lafanga started the first yep, one, yep. and has started since. I, I think I think he's one of those guys that has come out of the season with his with his stock. Uh, much higher and that is something that I would not have predicted at the start of the year. I'm willing to agree with that. He was definitely the best of a very poor bunch and his stock is higher. It's still extremely low, but it's higher. <laughs> but Hooker remains one of those positions yeah. where if someone, Joe Bloggs, puts together a month of good super rugby next year, they will start for the Wallabies. We, uh, we are massively short of international standard at Hooker. 
And look, for like, it's hard to hard, I think Falafang is only still 22, maybe 23. He's young. So I'd still rate him as probably one of those guys that can get there. Um, you know, if he, if he has another few good years, um, just slowly getting there. Um, yeah. Well, then let's talk about, I'm going to take it a different way then. So in terms of what I didn't think was going to happen in terms of personnel by the end of the year was yeah, Jordan, Jordi Pattaya, who I think, you know, most people would agree is probably the, the rawest talent stood on that field. Um, quite amazing what he can do and what we saw him do, you know, in his first internationals when he was still, what, only 19. Um, clearly an immense talent. I actually felt he became more and more rudderless as the season went on. And, and, and by the end, I thought he was just out of ideas and just looked frustrated with himself and everything else and just didn't know what to do. And I felt that was... That was disconcerting, but I mean, I guess it's the first season and you kind of, first full season, you kind of learn from that. But um, yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping to see more by the end, but it's, it, and it looked like it just, you know, just needed to make it simpler, really. Like, you know, forget the little grubbers and the whatever else and just, um, yeah. like Reg was saying earlier, just take a harder line. I, 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 look, I, I think, um, I know you sort of discounted it, Matt, but I think the strain, perhaps emotionally more on the players yeah. this year, have had a toll. Geordie's still a pretty mature player. He lost his father earlier this year, and that shook him mm. up big time. I just think at these times, and, you know, it's great to be around your rugby mates, but I know he's got a great, nice community around him. But at these sort of tough times, they're in isolation for a few months. You know, that's when he misses his family as a, as a young kid still. Um, I don't think any of us doubts his skill and ability. I, I can't deny I saw the exact same thing, Matt. I, he, he just looked lost for answers, but... I think it's um, you know, a lot of people writing him off. I think he's a super talent and, and this is a blip um, and uh, hopefully he gets the support he needs and can enjoy some time with the family before he hits the field with the Reds. But yeah, he was pretty, pretty dull our last game. But I'd, probably, I'd probably just add two quick things. One of which is it was pretty clear he was trying to make a lot happen, which is what happens when you've been the best person on the field for 95% of your career. That's not always going to be the case now. And sometimes you've got to underplay your hand. He's yet to learn that. The second thing is whether they've played with Tavita Kuradrani or Sterling Mortlock or whatever, a whole generation of elite Australian players have been taught that 13s run straight hard under lines. Uh, that's not currently Geordie Pattaya's game. In fact, he loves to run an overs line with a bit of footwork that, you know, with all due respect to the great guys, Sterling Mortlock and Tavita Kuradrani just cannot do. And you could see a couple of times this season when we did actually get a bit of space, the centres actually just ran the wrong lines. There was a time on Saturday night where Hodge just chimed into the line and cut off the pass. It looked like, you know, club rugby. And that'll keep happening. You know, we just got to get people used to the new systems and that'll take time. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he looked great at the start of the season playing outside O'Connor and Tamua. Um, but then playing outside Hodge and Paisami, things started to get harder. Um, and yeah. Yeah, agree. Cool. All right. So I think we've nailed that one. So that's kind of, well, that's the hey, whole bit around. Can I, before we get too far away from that game, I, I guess one yeah. thing that caused a lot of discussion, and I don't know whether this falls into <coughs> um, how do we rate Rennie or looking forward to next year. But if I, I put it to the Rennie one, the Indigenous anthem, um, and I think even broader, which I thought was sensational, but even broader than that, if you follow the social media, the, the Wallabies, is being his um, encouragement to embrace all the cultural backgrounds. They've spent a lot of time in, with the Fijian players, sort of educating and, and, and showcasing the Fijian culture and the Tongans and the Samoans. So 
you know, the Pacific Islanders are a huge part of our rugby history and obviously um, our Indigenous um, uh, influence on the game from a, a player at the elite level has been minimal and it's something they're trying to rectify. But I just thought that was a great touch to that game and a, a great, that was easily um, a, a, a Rennie influence that let's um, really showcase the, the, the cultural backgrounds of our players in our country and I just thought that was fantastic. Well, you've got that and you've got the boomerang stance that's going on as yep. well with the yep. uh, right. with everything. And uh, yeah, I think it's his... He's doing his version of a, the checker of kind of getting inside people's heads, but it's it's actually kind of rather than talking about it being other people disrespecting, it's much more about building respect. I think for ourselves, which is a really, really, which is a really, really good thing. I think you can, I think you're right, Rich. I think there's a lot of touches that have come through from Rennie so far that you've got to like. It's very solid, I guess, humble, back to basics. You know, get that right, and he's not talking a lot of froth either on the outside. Mm. Um, just kind of getting down to it. I, I think you, you've got to like what you've seen so far. Um, and and they, they do look like they've got the right man. I don't know if that Indigenous anthem was, was Rennie's idea or whoever's idea it was, but it was just so brilliantly done. And, and you know, Rugby Australia, whoever it was, that, you know, over the years, we have been the first to pile on them, as, as many people have for various eras. But I was wondering with the Indigenous jersey and, and when we come to commemorate Indigenous... Um, you know, contribution to our game. It's, it's a bit harder to do now. We don't have a Kirtley Beal or, or that Indigenous element in the 15 to, to be able to touch on. And, and mm. so often when you, when non-Indigenous people try and pay tribute to Indigenous people, yeah. it can appear contrived or sort of put on or tokenistic. Um, but what that did on Saturday was, was just, it just felt so genuine and the fact that the players learnt the words to the anthem it wasn't just someone performing it was an, mm. a, a sort of a whole um you know week-long experience for the players um at the ground it was spine to me it was fantastic uh, and i think but yeah everyone involved in it should should be commended and i hope we see it a lot more there's a, i think it was christy Thorne did a good article on it um it was dane hallett petty's idea oh well, um, yeah that's he took it to Hamish McLennan and it just sort of snowballed from there. But yeah, I thought it was, even on TV, it was spectacular. Well, it's a yeah. gr it is a great idea. I mean, it is so important for rugby fans that the sport stands for something that is, is bigger than the game itself. And rugby deserves a huge amount of credit for this. And uh, if you need to look any further than that, you can just look at what was happening in rugby league last week where two of their players were on the front pages every day in rape trials. Um, and I think it's important that the game is more than a game. Mm. No, 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 like, and great, great, great leadership. And especially at a time, Jamie, when you said, um, you know, another code having a massive problem. And then the other biggest code has had a, has a big, big problem um, with, uh, you know, indigenous issues. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a really good step forward for, for, um, for Australian rugby, I think. Um, all right. So look, let's, let's stay at that helicopter view then. Um, now this is something that I'm going to have to listen to what you guys think about, which is interesting. I'm going to treat this as market research, uh, for nine, basically. Um, what are your thoughts on the stand? Do you have an announcement, Matt? Are you, are you, you suiting up next year in the, is that why the podcast is going off? Is this, the, his, is this the agenda? His, he's taking his talents to <laughs> South the Beach. The truth's coming out here, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, there's a whole new team coming on the Green and Gold Rugby podcast, uh, brought to you by Stan next year. Uh, <laughs> No, so 
Um, it'll be Carl, Steph Carl Stefanovic and Scott Cam and, uh, you know... All it's actually the, uh, just all guys named Stan. It's just Stan Grant, you know. <laughs> yes. Good start. Former um, Wallaby Stan Brissett. Exactly. So let's go on this one. What do we think on the uh, Stan 9 deal? Uh, I'm going to go to you, Reg. What do you think? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think uh, at the very least change is as good as a holiday and uh, I think we needed some change. Um, I think the structure of it looks fantastic. I think uh, what does it end up mean, meaning from February to, I forget, June or July, there's a super rugby game at 7.30 live prime time on free to air um, involving Australian team every week. I think that's a spectacular outcome. Um, and I think the relationship will only grow. I think as as they, you know, obviously there's the, the stand streaming channel and there'll be some gem shows or whatever the, the other digital channels. But I think there's an eagerness there to, to understand the game and the opportunities around it. And it, it would seem to be there'll, be there'll be more opportunities to come, whether it be club or sevens and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think the timing of it with upcoming World Cups and, and Lions tours in particular um, makes the whole thing... Uh, uh, very exciting and just change by the sound of it they've got some interesting people involved um which hopefully will uh and i mean from a programming perspective i don't necessarily mean some of the names mooted for commentary um which are a little bit same old same old but uh on the face of it i think it's a great result for rugby well and and just it, do you have stan slash will you be paying for it um, I got given Stan as part of some deal with Optus or something like that, and but I will get it for sure as part of this, definitely. All right, cool. Um, Hugh, what do you think? Yeah, I'll pay for it. Um, I um, oh, look, I agree with Reg. It's it, it was time for a change, and and I think probably everyone would agree with that. Um, and looking forward to it. I think you know, let's enjoy the the probably what is it about three months before that first game three and a half months before that first game, which is probably going to be some sort of dire kick fest, which was refereed to an inch of its life um, and followed by Telegraph articles about low ratings and uh, people switching off and, you know, a few Twitter commentators, you know, saying that rugby's a horrible game. Let's just, so that's, you know, that's as predictable as night following day. Let's just accept that. And once we get past that, we can move, we can move on because um, there's going to be, you know, it's going to be, it's going to have its ups and downs, but, I think I'm just looking forward to seeing a new coat of paint on on the way that we see the game. And I hope that it results in some interesting different camera angles or, you know, analysis or, you know, dressing up, any, 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 anything, frankly, because we, we were due a change. And, and we've spoken at length about it this year. The commentators... Um, the Fox coverage, it was stale and it was, it was, it was ready to go. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah. And the Matt, Rowley, the Matt Rowley rugby hour every Thursday night uh, <laughs> on Stan is going to be great. The cast of characters, you know, they're going to have the Veronica's, you know, the entertainment, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you, I've got to say, just be thankful you're at the game live on uh, Saturday night and weren't listening to Fox because uh, Coons went out in style. <laughs> it was just as bad as it could be. Um, and Jamie. then, Jamie, what have you what do you got on this one? Have you got? Yeah, look, I'm in furious agreement. I think uh, it was an abusive relationship with Fox. It's time for change, but it's just an opportunity. It's up to Nine and Stan to make the most of it. Um, it's up to Rugby to make the most of it as well. But 
you know, if we just get commentators who are constantly whinging about what the rules are rather than explaining what the rules are to the fans, uh, we'll, we're going to get the same sort of experience just in a different place. Uh, I am looking forward to having Stan for the first time. And thanks, Matt, for shouting me my first 36-month subscription. I appreciate that. <laughs> Some good yeah, shows, Stan. Good movies, actually. We've had it for a while. It's, it's, it, it's pretty good. Are you yeah. getting a kickback? I've been I've been talking to Stan, but I think it's just a man named Stan, and he's uh, <laughs> I paid him. I've sent him two thousand dollars. It's a, supposedly some sort of bridging thing for my contract. But um, you, you every time know. every time he's on the phone and he's like breathing deeply and asking you what he's wearing, like that's <laughs> that's, that's not Channel Nine. Like that's just a dude called Stan. Yeah, that's, it's starting to become apparent that might be the case. Well, so what I hear from that focus group is um, everybody very very. Um, very much looking forward to it and that we should double the price of stand. So that's what I heard. Okay. Uh, then what are we looking forward to in 2021 apart from stand price rises? So I'm, I'm assuming this is to do with, uh, with the Wallabies um, and, or, or, and or Rugby Australia or Rugby in general. Um, well, not that we were podcasting that much, but anyway. But what are you looking forward to in 2021? Jamie, I haven't gone to you first yet. I'm going to go to you first now. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all the other young guys get a go because a bunch of them got selected in super squads and then came into the Wallabies. But uh, a lot of the other guys from that under-20s team didn't or they got a, a little glimpse and uh, they'll get their chance next year. And I'm looking forward to another group of talented kids coming through and if some of them are able to learn off the guys who've had a, a pretty unbelievable year this year, then that'll be fantastic. Um, there's a lot of really good raw talent out there. We just need to make sure that enough of the old players are around to help them develop. Cool. Um, Hugh? Yeah, I think I was similar. No, it's the, the young guys coming through Super Rugby. I'm genuinely excited to see Will Harrison and Noel Alessio, um, how they go in their second season. And if I had to say another thing, I've got to say, I'm going to grip my teeth and say it, but geez, that Reds team is going to be... Yeah. Oh, it's going to be good in that back line if they can keep them fit and they can keep them firing. There's guys like Hamish Stewart who I really rate and I'm not sure how he fits in there now. Um, and yeah, geez, I, it could be, could be another golden era. Reg, uh, yeah, well, we're, bad we're, time to farewell the podcast here. Could, we're working against it, unfortunately. The, the typical Queen, poor Queensland is up against the, the bias that is New South Wales. The news has just come in that Lucan Stalakai Loto um, is banned until Feb 26, which will be meant is available for round two of Super Rugby. Round one, of course, <laughs> being Queensland versus New South Wales. So, you know, poor Lucan. Um, what am Excuse I? Excuse me, uh, technically New South Welshman, Reg. Let's be, let's be <laughs> fair. So, if anything. <laughs> Mate, he's as Queensland as Alan Border and Chris Latham. Um, they, what am I looking forward to? Well, ironically enough, can I say, and you guys are bang on, the young guys, but I'm intrigued mostly about two things, which is more on the excitement level of intrigue, is the Waratahs. You know, they've had a really interesting off-season from a recruitment perspective. They've lost key players. They seem to have gone a different route with the recruitment, or dare I say it, following the Queensland lead of of just of recruiting uh, through their system as opposed to buying in. They've lost some players. Excuse me, there's a big thunderstorm hitting here at the moment. I don't know how who's going to play lock for them. They've got a couple of Kiwis coming in, as they say, they're trusting their system. But I'm actually, I think they've got the core group of some very good players there. Tommy Horton, Angus Bell, uh, Harry Johnson-Holmes, um, that back row, even with our FIFA, Carlo Tizane, Swinton, Dempsey, um, Harrison, you know, that's uh, Maddox, some good players. I'm intrigued about them. 
But then the other team is the team from the West, the Western Sports. What the hell are they going to look like? They've just announced the signing of a couple more Argentinians. So we've got Rob Kearney, um, Kyle Godwin's back, Tavita Kurandrani's over there. Um, it's a fascinating squad selection. It's a bit of a, a mishmash, and I'm sure Benny Darwin's cohesion factor on them will be very low, um, except for the five Argentinians, I guess. But uh, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they go. So, yeah, I, I, I'll, lots to look forward to next year. Okay, I thanks, Reg. I've got to cut you off. That's our 25 seconds on the on Western Australia in the first <laughs> We've moved on. We've done that. Thank you to the people in the West. Uh, now we can get back to talking about the East Coast teams. Yeah, well, and, you know, yeah, I, I guess I could kick that whole one off. Like, we've got the force that have snuck back in and, well, I've made my, my opinions on this earlier that that's just too many Matt, teams. can you just ask this question do we have enough can is five teams sustainable Matt? can you just all right okay uh you're this is like the answer. greatest hits we're now we're doing the greatest hits albums the old favorites the crowd let's, came to let's, see this, let's, let's move go. on then let's move on all i right, think bernard foley's better than quade cooper uh yeah that's <laughs> oh okay let's go on that okay look let's keep moving i think we've, we've, we've spent a lot of time tonight um so finally the last segment one that's going to probably get Pew crying um, is uh, like our favourite memories, our fondest memories of the podcast. Um, and I'm going to start with Reg. Oh, mate, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I went through a bit of a, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the wormhole or whatever with it today. And Trip down memory lane. Trip down memory lane today to go back to the days. And there are some very funny things from our early days. I think our first ever podcast was 2009. And I reckon we would have had 12 guests on it <laughs> at various stages. We tried to get multiple guests from each state and represent everyone <laughs> in the early days of, of teleconferencing. I can't even remember. If we, I think I assume we used Skype, but it was a painful exercise. Yeah. Um, I might let you tell the Al Baxter story. We've already told it once <laughs> when we had our first ever guest, Al Baxter. But, mate, it was, it was just that, I mean, we've always just considered ourselves just a bunch of randoms getting together because we like rugby, whether it be writing on the site or the podcast. And then every now and again, you know, you'd be talking to a legend of the game. And, you know, it, we've had Wallaby coaches, Bob Dwyer, Michael Checker. Um, you know, we had super rugby coaches, uh, uh, Styles, Richard Graham was a great supporter of us. Ewan McKenzie was a great supporter of us. Um, yeah. Laurie Fish has been on. Those guys yeah. been great. We had Kevin Gosper, you know, World Rugby, um, yeah. Mark Sinderberry. And I think, but if there's a standout for me, I had a, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of that sort of long form podcast stories. And I, in the lead up to the 215 World Cup, I decided to interview um, previous World Cup winning Wallabies in each position. And I, I think, Matt, you kicked it off for me by hooking me up with Matt Burke. And he was, he was the first one I did. And he was a legend. Could not have been more um, willing with his time. And just was so fantastic. And then I, then I did Rob Edgerton, who was one of my favourite players growing up. Dan Herbert, who's a good mate of mine, was awesome. Gave me like an hour and a half of his time. Michael Liner, who anyone who knows me knows I gush about. But, you know, Noddy was in Italy at the time. And I was sort of early in the morning in his office, He's a high-powered financier sort of thing, giving me a couple, an hour of his time. Nick Farr-Jones uh, did as well, and he was in Melbourne for a conference and was doing the same, sort of started the thing by saying, okay, Reg, first and foremost, what's a podcast? Um, <laughs> then Kefu, I did John Eels. You know, again, Eels, he charges himself at a ridiculous rate, and he was uh, chatting for an hour with him. Um, 
Dan Crowley and Simon Fordervin. My favourite was the Simon Fordervin story. Um, Fordervin obviously has his own corporate history, but uh, was on the phone and very abrupt. Uh, uh, I think I reached out to him on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, Reg. Uh, yeah, okay. So, what is podcast? Yeah, how, how long is this going to take? I said, oh, Mr. Fordervin, however long it's going to take, you know, what, 20 minutes? Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Just very abrupt. And then as soon as I interviewed him, he just went straight into, oh, Reg, it's great to be here tonight. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so that podcast series was, <clears throat> as a huge rugby fan historian, was a, just a treat for me to sit down with those guys and to think that, um, you know, this rugby site, this podcast of ours, gave me the opportunity to do that um, was pretty damn awesome. I, I loved that experience. No, that's great, mate. Yeah, and they were great listens. Those are that, that that long form. I can encourage anyone who hasn't listened to uh, go back and, and go back and do it. Um, uh, Jamie, you, you got a you got a, got a memory in the one or two podcasts you, you managed to get on in the end. <laughs> well, um, I, I like I like that you're encouraging people to go back and listen to those old podcasts. Now that uh, Stan has bought the residual rights for them. <laughs> They're like, no, the, look, friend, I, they're I like think, the friends of podcast. I think my, my favorite memory was, uh, you know, I was overseas for 10 years, spent a lot of time tracking down games in obscure bars and watching them on grainy feeds and all the rest of it. And then in 2017, I moved back here and Hugh and Matt came over to my yeah, uh, temporary rental apartment. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, McKinsey, for that one. Um, uh, and we uh, we all sat around the couch with a beer and um, did the podcast live. And it was really fun for me, uh, you know, coming back to Australia. It was a great opportunity to reconnect with the game and with people who were who loved it as much as, as I did and were much more knowledgeable about it. And uh, it was really fun. And I remember listening to the podcast afterwards and it had a, a bit of a different feel to it. And I uh, I thought it was it's a lot of fun and a lot of value for all of our hundreds of thousands of listeners. <laughs> no, that was good. And you're, you're now half the man you used to be, by the way. Um, I am. That's true. <laughs> Hugh. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time, hasn't it? I mean, uh, memories. I've got one that's a particularly funny story, although it was a podcast that I wasn't a part of, but I think Matt was, and I think Matt might know what I'm talking about. This is great. I do, one, yeah a specific one in New Zealand that took place. Um, and I was with Matt and a few and other people on a Qantas trip that the podcast has sort of helped us secure. So that was one of the, one of the benefits there kind of helped, not, not fully, but um, we were there with a cohort of people and some people can might be able to remember back in 2015 that that was, um, no, sorry, 2011. God, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> that's depressing. Um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we did some videos and some content for the site and trying to find, we were trying to find a Russian fan at the Wallabies v Russia game, which we eventually did find. We found yeah. a Russian bike, um, yeah. but most of them were people wearing Kiwis wearing Russian jerseys. Um, but after these quarterfinal where we beat the South Africans, I think me and a friend of a few friends from, we sort of, ended up going to a bar and then at a certain point we lost Matt and, and Timsey who was there, who was on the podcast at the time. And, and of course the next day I seen that there was a podcast recording that must've been in the wee hours of, uh, of, of the night. And, and it was became the infamous sort of drunk podcast where you guys were both, um, yeah, it was a boot and, um, giving some hard opinions on the game. <laughs> um, oh, 
That, that's fair to say that split our listenership pretty pretty hard that one yeah and, and, right. I, and, and I don't blame them lost listening. to the internet too can't cannot find, <laughs> try to find a recording too I've spent I've spent a lot of time can't, can't I think you can get it on the dark web the dark that's <laughs> traded but yeah it's funny the reg is right you know to think that I spent time sitting in on my bed or on my desk and was you know Nathan Sharp and James yeah. Hallwell and Stephen Moore and and all of these people that that um, you know, I idolised basically, and would watch on TV. I could just had their phone numbers and could talk to on on the podcast, and um, you know, all these coaches and people so generous with their time and and, and fantastic. And and um, yeah, look, it's it's a bit of a shame to be hanging them up, but in a sense, I think we've realised this year. I suppose to turn it a bit more, you know, inward, that you know, our time was being pulled in different directions. And I know personally, you know. Um, we're gonna me and my wife are having a baby next year and and that was why one of the reasons why i had to depart quite suddenly the last podcast but um was that yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> look no, let's, let's move. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> that's right um no but you know life sort of tends to get in the way of these things i think we've all found that you know we're at a stage now we're getting together for for a couple of hours or hour and a half on a, on a weeknights just become more and more difficult. And so probably best to, to stop now than become more and more sporadic and, and, and um, yeah, just probably reflect on, on, geez, it's been a long time and we've had, yeah, a lot of good times. And for our listeners, you know, I think we've cranked out probably one or two passable episodes in that time with, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the audio quality and the audio quality never got better too. That that's, was the other thing. In all the years, yeah. never got better. Yeah, the, the, the three of the, the three. No, that's a lie, actually. Nick has done a substantial job of the audio. Yeah, yeah no, it is. So, these, these are actually listenable, I think. It's probably we've got to bring him in too to get his favorite memory too. Yeah, yeah, we should. But can, Matt, what about you? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, you're actually, the man behind this all. Yeah. Mate. You drove this all. I mean, I think you were the man that got me on Twitter. You've got podcasts. You had this vision for engagement with our readers and, and our um, supporters. Yeah. Look, I, you just take me, you guys were taking me back through or making me kind of rethink about what I thought was one of the most special times was actually, and it was kind of the advent of social media and Twitter yep. together with podcasting. To, and, and those two things created something new because I guess a lot of people, if you weren't around at the time prior to kind of Twitter, there was no way of getting hold of talent. Um, you had, you had to go through the PR and they would just go, you know, your who a blog, you know, like forget about it. And you literally couldn't get hold of anybody. Um, it was always only for working media as they call it, which, um, I, I guess, which I now am, but prior to that, you know, it was impossible to get hold of that sort of, but with Twitter, suddenly you could hit up, a player or a coach and you could start actually having some um you know interesting conversations offline and then if you just go hey do you want to come on and give us 20 minutes and they go yeah sure and then suddenly you'd have an interview with somebody and you could create this content which also no one else was publishing because you know it, it wasn't a interview for for a newspaper or something like that and you could ask them questions that like you know wouldn't normally be asked and that was fantastic and i think that was probably when the Oh, that and yeah that was probably I don't know if that was when the podcast was its heyday but like that was a special time I think because you couldn't do it before that um other things I guess points that I remember I don't funnily enough don't remember that podcast too much here that you're, you're referring to um except that I think it was about four in the morning and it's somewhere probably in Wellington I think um then um the other one that I remember though so 
was the interview with Michael Checker, where the PR before the game, the, before the interview goes, right, you're going to have to give us a list of questions. I think this was and when he was Waratah's coach too, Matt, not when he was Wallaby's coach. If this that's that's right. Yeah, I think you're right. And he said, oh, you know... And we had a great working relationship with the Waratahs. They were always very helpful for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah, at this point in time, it, it wasn't as bad as it had been. And so we said, okay, so we gave him this list of questions. I think we had like eight questions. Um, and there was one, and the big question that everyone wanted to know was, where was Kurtley Bill going to be playing? I think that was it. I think it was, was he fullback? Was he wing? Was he in the team? I think he might've been in trouble. I don't know. It was something about Kurtley Bill. And we put that question about middle of the pack because um, we thought we'd warm him up and then we'd get into that and then we'd finish off. Anyway, we sent over the questions a couple of days before, got into the interview. And just before we started, I said, um, oh, Michael, you would have seen we sent those questions. And he said, oh, what questions? No, no, sorry, I haven't seen any questions, but don't worry. Ask me what you want. So anyway, so I kicked off with the first question. And then from then on, it was the easiest interview ever because he basically just sort of segued into what was going to be the next question every time. And so you didn't actually have to really ask it. You just kind of kept going. And it wasn't until to the very end and we were going, yep, yeah, right, thanks very much. That was great. And I'm sat there patting myself on the back going, that was absolutely gold that I realised that he had taken us through every question and just skipped the Kirtley Beale question. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, um, by just feeding onto the one after that he obviously just, because he didn't want pretending the whole while he'd never seen the questions. But I'm guessing he was sat there looking at them and realising exactly how he wanted to scoop me around them. And I thought, I have just been absolutely played. Um, absolutely suckered. So, yeah, that was probably, um, yeah, that was my favourite, um, or my, you know, a big, big memory I've got of it. Um, but no, look, it's been fantastic. And then before we go, come on then, Nick from the booth. What's your oh, and well, Nick, you turn your mic on. I think we should. I mean, there's so many people who help us out, but the egg mm. chases were huge ones. You know, the, yeah, the, the yeah. cross podcast we did with the egg chaser guys, that really the cross pods um, were good. was awesome fun. Yeah, and also, also 2016. If, only we'd, if only we'd won a game. We'd never yeah. won. <laughs> we we reformed to just to do that, I think. Um, I think it's also worth pointing out guys that are, in the past, really, oh yeah, you know, Brumby Jack comes to mind. Sully, I know, is another one. Mr. Tim's, Timsey, uh, obviously, um, Lance Free was there. Scott for Allen a while. was another one. Yeah, Lance Free, yeah, one coat. Yep. Yeah, the uh, Cyclo's been on a number of times. I know we had Nick. Yeah, Fitzner. that's right. Yeah, it was a bit of a low point when we had to start getting Nick Fitzner on. Um, I thought that was really, <laughs> yeah. really that, that was the beginning of the, the end. shark, wasn't it? You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. But we had uh, Shorty Maloney, we had Brett Mackay, you know, Journo yeah, there Brett as Mackay. well. It was, yeah, the NRC. Was every yeah, every yeah. NRC. <laughs> yeah. Get him one. Um, go on then, Nick. Sorry, you Nick. Got, you got a memory? Are you old enough to have one? I can't remember. This is a bit different, being brought in off the bench. But I appreciate it muchly. Yeah. God, it's, I know that I've not been around as long as, uh, as the other podcasts that we've done. Uh, mm. But... Uh, yeah, my, you know, I had a lot of fun. Jamie taking, poking fun at Alan Jones. Um, getting the chance to interview Simon Cron. Um, I was absolutely terrified of him because my first experience of him was watching an NRC game and seeing him so angry even after the Rays won, <laughs> I think, 56 to, to 18. Um, and I was ter and watching him even still not be happy with that performance just made me kind of go, what the hell have I got myself into? And then I got chained to him and he was the loveliest guy to chat, uh, chat footy with. Um, <laughs> that's a per that's a personal favourite, but you know our chat with Benny Darwin. Um, you know talking to Jack Quigley when he got checkers digits. Um, 
but my favourite has has got to be uh, our our chats with uh, our chats with uh, with Brett McKay um, at talking NRC and doing nearly two hour long podcasts um, for all of the fans that uh, were big massive NRC fans at the time. Those were were huge amounts of fun. Um, and the, the the ones that I weren't on that I wasn't on. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly those ones. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. I I, I kid. I kid. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, though God, you know, chatting with with Brett and, and and Reg and talking all about the competition, and we were just us and and hardcore uh, fans talking NRC. Um, and I, I don't know how long that that infamous 2011 episode is, but I know that these episodes of the NRC chat that we had would always give them a run for its money. Personal favourite of mine. Awesome. All we right. never had a we never had a fiery combative interview, did we? That was the that that's what's missing from the show. Matt wanted it. Matt wanted it. He he kept saying, "Guys, we've got to find things that we can conflict over." I, well, you know what? I tried to get Brett. I did try. I think it was last year to get Brett Papworth on. Um, yeah. And I I had an email correspondence, and he refused because um, we apparently he didn't like the he didn't like the the sort of blogosphere generally. But he apparently because we didn't stand behind our real names, you know, he wouldn't wouldn't chat to us because. We're just a you know a fake name on a screen, and I repeatedly said that we do use our real names. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty funny because you know Hugh, you could have said like, "Oh, Hugh Cavill is my stage name," you know. Like, yeah, yes, that's right. That's that's how creative and secretive I am. My fake uh, name is my real name. That was uh, well, he was. To, but even then, he was a nice guy. To you know, obviously, seems to be a very very nice guy, and he was very courteous on the email. So I couldn't you know. Can't knock him, but um, well, it's one of the things. One of the things you've learned in rugby is that, like everyone's fighting for the one true cause within rugby. It's just that they're all those causes are fighting each other. Yeah. Um, you, you know, which is the classic in Australian rugby. But um, perfectly put. We could go for. Uh, we could probably ramble on forever, like we've done it before. But uh, I'm going to draw this to a close. I'm going to say. Um, thank you very much to all of you guys. Um, it's been, I've just always enjoyed it. I've just always enjoyed coming on and having a chat with you guys. You're, you are lovely guys who have given your time and your opinions and um, uh, thank you very much. It's been great. I've just personally enjoyed it every time we've come on. Um, and then there just happens to have been some rugby in the background. Um, but, and it's been one of the things, one of the joys of um, being part of Green Gold Rugby actually is it's amazing the fantastic people you meet through it. There's something about rugby that just means that you're likely to meet the people you're meeting are likely to be really great people um don't know what it is uh, i'm sure everyone's got their the sort of viewpoint of that but it, i think it proved itself with uh, the the website and it definitely proved itself with the podcast um and hopefully those people who've been listening to us witter on for i think more than 300 freaking episodes um hopefully you haven't listened to all of them if you do you deserve a prize let me know um um, but I want to say thank you to you guys too. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, thanks for being along for the ride. Um, we will be back when we win the next Bledisloe. Um, so don't worry. Uh, it's, you, only, you only have to wait till then. Um, and that's about it. Uh, the, you know, any other news is like, yeah, we probably will be um, powering down the website a little bit um, over the coming sort of uh, the coming months. So anyway, if anyone wants to buy a rugby website, hit me up. Uh, other than that, um, I just want to say thanks very much. And um, anybody else for any last words? Reg, Hugh? No, just, yeah, thanks to everyone that's listened, I think. And we really only ever did this because it was fun for us. And mm. the fact that we found an audience and people willing to, that also seemed to have fun listening was, brought me great satisfaction and great joy as well. 
and um, I think that probably goes for everyone else as well. So, yeah, just and, and obviously thanks to to the four of you because you're all yeah great blokes. And <laughs> yeah, that's just thanks everyone. Always a buzz bumping into a fan in public on the side of the rugby field, you know, just on the back of the of the podcast. But to Matt to bring us all together to all our weekly chats or monthly chats as they turned into, it was uh, a lot of fun. And uh, thanks to all our fans. Oh, you, you've got me thanks. crying now. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Yeah. See ya. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes! Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a to be a. Now everyone's got a sense of the shit I gotta deal with when I'm editing these things. <laughs>